0: Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. Hello, everyone. This is Talking Tourism, and I'm today's host, Rachel Williams. Every fortnight, the Tourism Industry Council Tasmania brings you conversations with the brightest minds in the tourism industry. TICT is the peak body for tourism operators in the beautiful state of Tasmania. Each episode of Talking Tourism will deal with a specific tourism-related topic with tips and advice for improving your tourism business. And we're very excited today to be joined by Todd Henderson, the founding director of Cumulus Studio. Welcome, Todd. Hi, Rach. How are you going?
1: Good, thank you. That's good. I'm
0: very well, thank you. I'm looking forward to hearing all about you and Cumulus Studio, which of course is an architecture firm in Tasmania that's also branched out interstate. You're doing wonderful things. It must be um, a good place to be in at the moment.
1: Yeah, it is a good place to be in. I think, um, yeah, we are, obviously it's great to have two offices in Tasmania, but then also to have branched out into Melbourne. It's pretty exciting to try and see what else is happening over there.
0: So an architect for 20 years, I'm sure things have changed over the two decades in terms of design and and principles of architecture. Give us a little bit of a background as to why you wanted to become an architect. What was there one key building or one key project that you thought, wow, I want to be involved in this?
1: That's interesting you've asked me that because I've actually just given a talk to a bunch of students about this. Um, I guess one of the things I probably didn't realise at the time, but something that brought me to architecture was the fact that I spent my whole youth skateboarding and really with skateboarding it's kind of how do you use spaces in a different way and so understanding how the city works and how buildings work through skateboarding which is sort of highly document, broadly documented now in terms of how skateboarders see the city and I hadn't really thought about it till I started looking into the research but if I was to go down any street in Launceston and I could tell you exactly what the footpath was made of because of the sound it made under the skateboard or you know what the spaces are because of the sound it made or what you could use the buildings for different to what their first purpose purpose was. So in a way I kind of got into it through being interested in spaces and how architecture worked but it wasn't kind of a, um, a career path I set myself to uh, go on. And then the other part of it is just making. I've always – I've spent basically my whole – uh, childhood in my dad's shed, or my mum was a sewer, so I know how to sew. I was always making things, making clothes, or making, um, I built all sorts of things in my bedroom. And I like that idea of how you can come up with an idea and turn it into something that becomes an object. And I think buildings are kind of the ultimate, where it's a long game of designing something. You've got clients, briefs, counsel, gravity to deal with. Um, and at the end, you end up with a, you know, you can end up with a building, which is a really exciting.
0: Well I think there's definitely some wonderful buildings out there around Tasmania that you've played a role in and one of them I suppose is the most significant is the um the Devil's Corner lookout down on the east coast it certainly receives a lot of attention and is very well documented that's in increased visitation to that area. Let's talk a little bit about architecture within tourism because it's they sort of go hand in hand, don't they?
1: Yeah, I think um that idea of how the architecture can enhance what the experience is so i think in tasmania we're really starting to change how people see us and there previously there was probably an expectation not meeting reality so you would see the image of sapphire and people would think that's what tasmania is but really there're not many Buildings are like that. Um, so they'd book a trip and come and stay somewhere and obviously the building maybe didn't meet their expectation of the landscape and um, really architecture can kind of change how people do experience. So Devil's Corner is a great one where that probably the had a beautiful branding, um, it was really strong, had beautiful wine but the building there, which was obviously a sort of temporary building, didn't meet that expectation. So Devil's Corner came about through how can we really enhance uh, the the wine experience with something else so just have so many people stopping and they stop and they have wine so the architecture has become this sort of mechanism to get people to visit it and then with social media and this whole kind of idea of sharing ideas the amount of times it gets photographed then other people get to say where's that how do I get there and that's been pretty common on a lot of projects we've done
0: and it's obviously not an essential piece of infrastructure for the site no no but (laughs) it's value added in ways that they could probably never actually foresee it doing
1: yep correct so it's yeah really a, a kind of folly in a way but it became something that everyone yeah wants to stop off and go to and it it's kind of a um we talk about it as being a stop sign from the highway people see it and even if they haven't seen it on anything before they go oh where how do i get into that and they go and have a look and go up the tower and then Generally, they use the bathroom and then buy some wine and off they go. <laughs> off
0: they go, very happy. Mm. And you've also been involved with Pump House Point, um, Willie Smith Cider down at the Apple Shed at um, the Huon Valley. Yep. Um, Stillwater 7 recently opened um, yep. above Stillwater. Um, and probably the most exciting one that's under construction at the moment from a public perspective mm-hmm. is the visitor centre when you arrive at Cradle Mountain, which yep. is being built at the moment. Um how exciting is it for you and your company to be involved in some of these big public tourism projects that everyone's going to benefit from?
1: Yeah, it's really exciting. I guess when you you are a student and you imagine doing projects, they're the projects you really want to be involved in. So it's really great to be involved in those projects. And Cradle especially, because we're talking about a world-class place that people want to go to, and again, that expectation didn't meet the reality. So people saw Cradle, they get there and it was – the visitor centre just wasn't up to what people expected, the outdoor toilets, and hadn't, a lot of it hadn't been upgraded in a long time. So it was really great that um, sort of tourism bodies got together and said, let's do something, and then it became got a bit of momentum and obviously the government got some money to do it and they've really sort of started to do something great up there. The first stage we're doing at the moment and then it'll actually grow over time and it's more a village sort of style. So instead of being one whole building, it can actually grow and yeah, increase over time, which would be great.
0: And how far progressed is the actual the cable way? I know it's been yeah. a, a bit of a controversial project, but is that something that you would you are going to see come um, to fruition in your lifetime?
1: <laughs> I'm not sure, actually. To be honest, like I think it it definitely would be good for the site to get rid of the cars and to get people up to um, Dove Lake, but I'm not too sure how likely it is to get up. Um, I think it's an interesting one too, where. Obviously Tasmania is a pristine environment up there but it's about how do you reduce some of the other ways people are getting there and, yes, there might be – maybe some people don't think it's the right way to do it but it, everything's a balance.
0: And um, some of the, the more private developments that you've you've been involved with, say, for example, Pump House Point, yep. um, a, another iconic location, what do people come to you with when they give you the brief of what you as an architect are going to achieve for them? Because it's not just about bricks and mortar timber it's it's about brand Yep, has that become more prevalent over the course of your career in the 20 years do you think
1: yeah it depends on projects some clients pump house Point, Simon was brilliant he knew exactly what he wanted and we helped him I guess realize that dream that he would had for a long time so he had a really clear brief Uh, I probably should say every project is only as good as the client so um, no matter how what we want to do as long if we have good clients we can really get most things to happen and we know how important they are um, Devil's Corner, again, they had an idea of wanting something to look at at the hazards, so how do you then take that and turn it into something more than what it could have been? And Willie Smith's, again, was a they had a really strong brand and they had a really great um, cider product and they had a really good um, kind of long history of being um, orchardists. And how do you then bring that together and turn it into something bigger than uh, what it could have been? And I think that's been a really – interesting one from the point of view of community as we started doing the project all the people that lived down the and were coming oh you know i've got this i've got that people were helping build things it's almost become a kind of community center that no one expected it would so that's the center of where everyone goes
0: how much research goes into developing your concepts to actually then take it to the client and say this is what we've come up with based on your your brief It must be significant for some of those big projects.
1: Yeah, a lot of it is. And I guess we also, we do it quite baby stepped in a way. So we often say to clients, we're not, this isn't a presentation, it's a conversation. And we say, these are the things we are thinking of, um, and we can then gauge what they think and we can explain and we also have a pretty robust evaluation process in the office where we might come up with different options and then we can actually weigh it up against what the client's brief was or what the design principles were. So it's a good way to kind of um, get back from a whole bunch of options to something that um, maybe there's like two or three options that we think will work. And we, we're we very – Cumulus is all about being collaborative, collaborative. Um, so everything we think of everyone, all of our staff as well as clients being part of that design process, so we want to bring them along for that uh, all of that process. And how
0: important has the principle of um, the tourism element been for designing you know architecturally designing the building and the space? How much do you take into account the actual the tourist?
1: oh yeah so that's really the main just that experience again all of the buildings that we do are about how can we enhance that person's experience and it doesn't have to be a devil's corners one thing which is as i said a folly and it's quite a um kind of amazing element in the landscape people go to but again it might be something that's quite um quite recessive in a way and maybe it's just something about a space you go to that feels quite peaceful to experience um the landscape we do a lot of different projects that all have different briefs, I guess, and it's about how do you pick what the what's the key thing about that project that you want to show.
0: One project that you've been involved in, which is now finally getting out of the ground, is the Verge Hotel yep. in Launceston. And obviously, you were asked to yep. design a concept and a, a development for this hotel in the CBD. It did receive a fair bit of criticism yep. at the time. Yep. <laughs> um, what was that like for you when you're, you're putting your heart on your sleeve effectively and saying this is... Design that I'm proud to present, but as you say, you've got a client that's giving you a brief as well, so it's their story, but it's also your story. Yeah,
1: it's often a balancing act where um, obviously you're working for a client, so um, you're doing something that they've asked you to do, but then you obviously have a bigger role in the community. Um, I think probably with nearly every project, we as architects cop criticism for because someone always has an opinion on it. yeah, I guess when people say the letters to the editor with your name saying how terrible you are as a person as opposed to the person um, who's designed the building, sometimes it's a bit rough. But, again, I guess it's sort of what we do every day. We, Everyone's always got to comment on architecture and I quite often say to people, yeah, if so it's a house we're doing for someone and someone says, I don't really like that house, who's a new client, they don't like the one we did previously, we say, yeah, that's because it was for that person. So yeah. everything's really about what the project is, what the brief is and how do you design to that.
0: And at the end of the day, you're never going to please no, that's right. everyone, no. are you? But is that disappointing that in this day and age people still attack the man rather than the ball, to use a, a footy um, jargon? I know that you're no, a big no, Richmond Tigers no. fan, so well, we can Well, I'm talk an architect football. I've
1: got a big ego, so I see my name in the paper, it's great, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> any publicity yeah, any publicity. Yeah. <laughs> Now, yeah. it must be frustrating. It is frustrating, If yeah. you've got nothing constructive to say, yeah. why are you involved in the conversation? Yeah. It's
1: more about, um, I think, if you're going to have an opinion, try and make sure that you understand um, what the project is. So... Uh, When Verge first went up, it was on Facebook and someone commented, oh, great, another bottle shop. Now, there was no bottle shop, but the next 50 comments were all, oh, great, another bottle shop. So the people commenting are actually looking at the last comment, not actually reading what it is or getting a true understanding of the project. And I think that's probably the most frustrating um, where we see all sorts of comments or people um, opposed to planning, any planning proposals we've got. And when you read what their objections are, they actually haven't seen what the project is or truly understood what the project is.
0: So how important is it for you when at the end of the day you're leaving legacies for all of these things that you build, how important is that to make sure you have the community on board with you and, you know, involve them as much as you can without it being too challenging and taking too long a time to actually make as many people as possible happy?
1: Um, I think it's pretty important uh, and it's quite difficult but what we tend to find is most projects um, that it tends to wane, people being against it, and when it's finished, quite often people like it. And even I've had people say, "Oh, that was because I objected that that changed, So that's <laughs> it's great because of this. Or so I think. Yeah, you sort of you
0: put a plaque in there, yeah, you just, yeah, you just <laughs> let it all kind of um,
1: wash over you, and it just is what it is it when you're doing, like you said, they're they're legacy items and or legacy. Kind of buildings and buildings are long term. Um, I was just speaking recently to someone about how architecture is a really long game. So you get a brief, you design a building, then it gets starts getting constructed. Depending how big it is, it could be twelve to twenty four months. And so by the end, it's been a long, long time. And those buildings then are around for a long time. So it's quite different to designing a business card, for example. Someone might use it for a year. Their mobile phone changes; they chuck it away and get a new one. But architecture is not like that. It's really quite a long term vision you have to have and then think about what that might be in the city or whatever context it is.
0: And how challenging is it at the moment, you know, given we are such a heritage state and we have made such wonderful examples of our heritage um, buildings, but being a new age architect, trying to integrate new modern buildings that need to have certain fit outs and design elements to meet modern day um, necessities, how challenging is that to get the balance right?
1: Oh, it's Super challenging, but it's the best bit. That's how. That's the bit we love the most. Stillwater Seven, for example, again, awesome clients. They came with an idea of what they wanted to do. Um, super complicated building, timber building, three stories. No one had done a hotel in that sort of building before, so we had to involve a whole bunch of people. Again, this kind of collaborative. How do you solve all those problems with uh, fire, sound, um, not destroying the heritage? So I love again that idea of making. I talked about before and. The thing I love most is that architecture is like a three D puzzle, so you're always thinking about how you put things together. And most, I think most architects will say the same. You tend to solve them when you're in the shower of a morning, thinking about something totally different, um, where you have had this problem you're trying to solve, and all of a sudden the the idea comes to you how you might solve it, and then you um, can work through it. So the heritage, I think, is it's one of the things we're so lucky to have that we have these great heritage buildings, and to do an, a modern intervention in those buildings there's – two parts to it I think are great is one, I don't know whether we need any more buildings in a way because we've actually got enough and if we repurpose them for other things, it would be great. So it's great for the environment and also just how do we then use those, the new interventions to make the old architecture something special again. So often buildings are left neglected and we'll do a renovation and everyone sort of starts to understand how great the building was before. And yeah, I think that's really important in, in Tasmania especially.
0: Do you worry about, obviously people have commentary now pro and against uh, different developments and what they look like, but do you ever worry about what people will say decades from now about the work that you're producing <laughs> now? Like you look at Heddy yeah, House, yeah. for example. Yeah, the which is architect. one of my favourite buildings. <laughs> it's, well, it's one of those buildings you either yeah. love it or you hate it. There's yeah. no real in-between, yeah. is
1: there? Um, I don't know. I guess I hadn't really thought about that. Maybe I... Yeah, maybe in years to come I'll hear people saying how horrible certain buildings are. Your children, were. Might yeah, my children might be worried about it. Yeah, my children might be worried about it more so than me. Yeah. So it
0: doesn't play a role in your design principles of designing something that's relevant for now but will also stand the test of time?
1: I think, well, it does. We tend to think about things as trying to make things enduring. Um, so what I mean by that is not doing buildings that are, you know, fatty, lightweight um, buildings, thinking about what is it about the great buildings that made them great. So most old buildings have a really um, deep facade on them or the windows are set back and they feel really solid and you end up with nice shadow and light on the front of those buildings. So how do you do that in a modern context? I think it's important. And also honesty in materials. So we tend to use lots of um, obviously timber and we just use actual timber. We don't stain it. It's just an honest material. We use brick or something like that that is a really beautiful material that won't age Will age gracefully, I guess, but also be quite enduring. So you're not sort of doing lightweight buildings that in five years' time everyone says, oh, that was done in 2019, et cetera.
0: What about the um, project that you are working on at the moment, which has received um, a a fair bit of uh, airtime? And that's uh, Lake Malbina, the uh, standing camp development Mm -hmm. for the Hackett's for um, their fly fishing operation. Being asked to design something to fit in a wilderness location with a minimalistic footprint, yeah. Were you always concerned from the outset that it was going to be a controversial project?
1: Um, yes, and I'll first clarify: not for fly fishing. <laughs> they have a fly fishing business, but it won't be for fly fishing. Um, yeah, w- yeah, definitely. We talked about it in the office and said, do we um, do we want to do this project? And yeah, knowing the clients, we asked them what it was, and I think we all came to the conclusion that we thought this would be a great project again it's a bit like the cable car what's the best way to get to that site if you're going to do something there do you have people walk for days in there and potentially ruin some of the um, of the landscape or do you fly in there which again has some um, problems with it but it's again a sort of balancing act of how you might yeah do those projects and we're really trying to do the best we can on that project and it is a really minimal intervention on the site and, again, I think it's the commentary I see around it is people don't understand what it is. So find out exactly what is how it is. Yes, well, my moves. apologies. Yeah. I, to, I thought exactly, it was for yeah. fly fishing. So, so, that's a, so yeah. correct the record for yeah, that. Well, yeah, yeah. I am occasionally <laughs> wrong. My husband <laughs>
0: says I'm wrong three times a year. So <laughs> there you go. You've got one of them. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, but it is an interesting one. Just getting a true understanding of what it is, how many flights there'll be a year um, because I think people think there'll be helicopters every day and it's just not that sort of um, development. And I won't go into all the details now but I kind of urge people to, if they don't know what it is, get all of the facts on what it is and then make a decision after that. And you might still hate it but at least you know what it is.
0: Is that something that you're taught at architecture school about all of the periphery that you have to deal with as an architect in terms of... Um, dealing with the public, dealing with controversy. Is yeah. that something that you are given a good grounding in before you begin or is it something you just learn along the way and hope for the best?
1: I think you probably know it intuitively just because growing up everyone has a comment on architecture and even before I thought I'd do architecture, of course my parents would hate buildings or people didn't like developments because I think we just think it's a – I think as a general public we like to have an opinion on those things and yeah – I'd say it is something that we probably aren't ready for, and some people really do dislike it. And as I said, I don't doesn't necessarily bother me too much.
0: What about the people that are the proponents of it? Does, is that you sort of people managing them as well?
1: Um, oh, some of them are, yeah, oh, yes and no. I think sometimes we have, especially when projects people are uh, commenting on how much they hate it, then you do feel the client going, hang on, I've paid you to do this thing. How come everyone doesn't love my project? So <laughs> you do feel some responsibility there. But if you know you've done all the right things and thought about what the building should be and how it should work, then yeah, you know, sometimes you have to reassure them that, yes, this is the right thing we're doing.
0: Yeah. And so what for a, a smaller tourism operator who perhaps doesn't have the budget of a devil's corner with the Brown Brothers bracking or the um, Simon Currents of the world – would you, how would you encourage some of these smaller people to invest in building and architecture um, to enhance their visitor and tourism experience?
1: Um, well, it doesn't necessarily have to be big budgets in a sense. Often the constraints are the thing that make it really interesting. Willie Smith's was, at the time, they kind of wanted to do that project and that wasn't backed by a huge um, Kind of cider business, I suppose. So they
0: a real startup. Yeah, it it was a
1: real startup. So they were like us. We were being paid in some cider and uh, doing some work. And (laughs) some of your best work while you're drinking cider. (laughs) And we really only just started then. So, and I think everyone would agree that's been a really successful project. But it hasn't been the. It's not the hugest project in terms of a budget. So budget doesn't necessarily. Obviously, it's a factor, but it doesn't determine how good that project is.
0: So, what makes it successful?
1: I think uh, authenticity. So when people go there. They're drinking the cider. They know that apples came from nearby. They know the people there are part of the of the business. And just, I think, services, which is kind of what we do as architects, is uh, help buildings to be designed so that people working them can service people better. Uh, but that's, I guess, the key thing out of everything. How do you service people in Tasmania who are tourists to make them want to come back? Because really, the architecture can be the best building ever. But if the service is terrible, if their experience is terrible, that kind of, destroys all of that
0: and so are there areas that you think we're falling down on as a tourism destination without having the infrastructure that we need to capitalize
1: i wouldn't no i wouldn't say we are falling down anywhere i think there's probably there's definitely some developments that could maybe put design uh, have more importance on design and how they think about that. I can't really think of any off the top of my head, but I'm just thinking around that kind of expectation of when people come to Tasmania, but I just think with Mona I think has really changed Tasmania and often people say no, it was great before and it yeah. was great before, but I think that that lifted the bar of what people's expectation is. So, if you've been to Dark Mofo or Mona Foam or Autumn Mona, you kind of expect this level of this will be highly curated. It's an amazing experience where everything's thought about and that's probably the bit that I think people can really think through, and that it, with their projects they're doing, whether it's architecture or whatever. But how do you make the whole thing quite a, a um, integrated experience, I guess, for people? Yeah, that becomes bigger than what it was originally.
0: I suppose that's um, an interesting uh, thing for people who don't have the budgets yeah. of owner, because not many of us no, do. No, not us, do <laughs> <laughs> Disappointingly. Disappointingly, yeah. um, you know, Mister and Missus Smith running a, a boutique. B&B business on the river, like how could they use services from an architect um, to enhance that visitor experience?
1: Um, Yeah, so it might even just be how, might not be buildings, but we would come in and actually think about what the process is of what they're doing. So how do you greet visitors? We do all sorts of things that aren't even to do with architecture, but how are you thinking around what your project is? So they, I guess they need to think about a day in the life of a guest coming and what that looks like. And I think a lot of people can do that themselves even without design involvement or architects. Um, But what do you want people's experience to be like when they get somewhere? And as I said, with Mona, I know people don't have the budget of that, but even just the way it's curated along uh, with Dark Mofa, for example, Instagram and Facebook are free essentially. So if you want to set up your business, really think about how, what you want people to think about with your business and how that starts before they get there, this kind of idea of the anticipation of going on a holiday or going somewhere, but then making sure when they get there, that experience is exactly what the expectation was.
0: And so the Cumulus brand, your business brand, is that's definitely in the larger scale tourism market now. Is that where you've pigeonholed yourselves in, I suppose, Uh, or
1: not? Yes and no, we do lots of little projects as well, which is, um, as I said, we we just like doing projects that are interesting and fun. And, yeah, Have you ever really
0: said can- no to a project that you've just said no? Sorry, it's really not in our...
1: Yeah, we say no all the time. We didn't you- We didn't use to say no, we say no quite a bit now. <laughs> and maybe it's just the client's not right for us or we're not right for the client. But, um, yeah, I think it's about picking those projects that are right, yeah, for us to work on.
0: Um, what, for the future, you've expanded significantly over... 10 years yep. for, for Cumulus, um, now into Victoria. You're also working on a, a pretty big project over there at the uh, Art Gallery, is that right?
1: Yeah, it's um, well, it's a pretty small project, but it's in front of a big building. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we, right. We won a uh, competition to do a new cafe outside Arts Centre Melbourne, so that was yeah, quite nice to be invited to submit and we won that and that's under construction at the moment, so it'll be a new kind of coffee stand outside, awesome location for us in terms of where it is, everyone sees it as they go down St Kilda Road, so...
0: And yeah. another one that you've got um, in planning stages at the moment is something that we all love at the moment, talking about our boutique um, alcohol industry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Callington Mill, more um, prominently known for its um, wheat um, production, is yep. going to be reconfigured into a distillery.
1: Yeah. And That's
0: th- going to make everyone stop at
1: Oakland. That's right. It? I think, again, it's that. How do you use architecture and the building to be something that brings people to – obviously people go past um, Oatlands and they tend to bypass it. And when Callington Mill was there before, a few people did stop. But having something that kind of becomes a catalyst project, so does that start to bring more people in, which then means other –
0: Um, People are more interested in whiskey than flour. Let's be honest. That's just the the reality of
1: life, isn't it? Exactly. So then, and we see this happen quite a bit where something goes in and then other people will come and say, oh, there's already this happening. So then how can I um, kind of add on to that and be something else? And it's not necessarily up to the first person to solve it all, but then other people come in and you can kind of create these precincts around tourism, which I think is really good. I think the wine industry has probably done it the best I've ever seen where they all work together. And I think that happened early in its sort of – well, early on they were competitors and then they realised if we all work together and Tasmania's got this amazing wine brand because of people working together. I think if tourism does the same and you all kind of work off each other, it can be something really special.
0: So how have you gone about blending that historical, beautiful old mill, which is obviously the feature of the landscape when you're driving the Midland Highway, into something that – is going to be a tourist experience for the modern day
1: Yeah, So really, um, I guess it's like I said, it's sort of the antithesis of Devil's Corner. It's a, quite a um, peaceful gabled building that looks like a um, the type of building you'd see, which is just a farm type long gabled structure, which obviously feels modern and you can look through multiple spaces when you get in that building, but it's not about as you drive past saying, look at me, which is what Devil's Cornell is about, it's about something quite different. It had really strict heritage overlay, obviously, on the site. So I think all those projects, what they come out of what the brief is and what the constraints are, and they're all quite different. And really, we probably pride ourselves on not ha- not being style-driven. So where you were talking before about buildings, um, how they look in years to come, etc., we most buildings are... They come out of a brief and they're they are designed to look or act a certain way because of what the brief was. That almost informs what the form of the building is as opposed to being kind of iconic or yeah, something else or driven by something else. So then, yeah, a lot of the buildings are quite different, but they're all Done by us.
0: And that's um, being built at the moment, or is it in planning? In, planning, in yeah. planning. Would you envisage, anecdotally, that once that is developed, that there will be spin offs for other associated tourism businesses? Yeah, well, I'd You hope might be so. having a base at Oatlands for the next year. Yeah, years. it'd be quite good if
1: it did. Well, well, I guess why not? It's sort of right there on the in the centre of the Midlands Highway, you're driving down, and um, I think people are starting to stop at a lot of those places along the way. They don't necessarily go straight up and down the highway, so having more spots to stop would be.
0: Not, yeah, not developing an uh, AFL standard uh, football oh, ground well, at Oatlands. Well, here's well. one for you, Todd. That <laughs>
1: <laughs> sounds pretty good.
0: <laughs> um, but you've also got um, another um, vineyard cellar door under construction at Stony Rise. Yep. What's that big project?
1: Uh, uh, so Stony Rise is a really beautiful, um, highly detailed cellar door. So I guess it's not – it's a really small cellar door on the site – and it's, again, about service and intimacy. So the winemakers are there. They're the ones serving you the wine. It's about how we look at that view, um, obviously looking over the vines and looking over the river. But it also then has this other use where it can be opened up and on sunny days there could be um, bands playing and you can sit on the grass and there's large decks and there's an the outdoor fire. So how do you make a small building become something big that can do two things? So you can have sort of a 14 15-person people, uh, dinner in there, or you could actually open it up and have a big event. You could have a wedding there, that sort of thing. So it's a kind of flexible space, which I think will be really exciting when it's finished.
0: We've got a theme, don't we? Wine, whiskey, cider. We know what tickles your (laughs) heartstrings. Yeah, well, the
1: funny thing is I actually – Pete drinks cider and I drink beer. We haven't done any
0: Need to find a brewery. (laughs) Boutique brewers (laughs) out there. (laughs) If. If there was one project that you would have loved to work on or would like to work on in the future, is is there any particular one that you could think of that you would just love to be involved in?
1: Oh, in terms of... uh, Or perhaps like
0: to drive?
1: (laughs) Oh, I get. well, it's an interesting one. I think we would like to, not necessarily, I don't know if I know the type, what project, but we have talked about in the office that it would be interesting to do something ourselves and see what would come of being our own clients. So then you really are designing something that... Is for yourself. Todd's um, Brewery. Todd's Brewery. Yeah, that sounds pretty good actually. <laughs> yeah, and I think that could be quite a an interesting thing. Okay.
0: To do. Yeah. So is that just a dinner table be, discussion, be or of, um, is that something that is?
1: Oh, uh, I think it's something we're working towards. But if I was to do that, would be probably a dream of mine, especially to do. But what would my it be? What sort of development? Uh, it could be hotel, could be, um, yeah, brewery, as you said, that sort of thing, but it would be really, I think the tourism industry is the industry we like being in because it is interesting and people that are coming are really interested in interesting buildings and we often talk about, um, say, with Stillwater 7, for example, when I talked to the client about that, we were talking about the rooms being something different to what you are used to. So my experience of it is you go away on holidays and you almost become someone that you're not so you can pretend you're anyone or when you get to the room it's about what might happen in the room or the walk to the room or it's quite a different experience and you want that to be something quite different and I think we found that's what people are really kind of interested in when they do go away um is staying somewhere that is Quite different to staying, I guess, Without children. Yeah, without children. (laughs) Um, Exactly. I met someone the other day and he said that was the most amazing thing ever because I had – he's got a six-month-old or something or six-week-old and he said that was the best night's sleep I've ever had in my entire life. He didn't (laughs) even look at the hotel. It was was amazing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fantastic. Now, I suppose um, to finish up, um, two very important questions based on your introduction
1: was do you still sew – uh, I have been doing a bit of sewing. My daughter is now mad Sarah, I've been helping her do a bit of that so Oh,
0: lovely. Yes. Get out the cross-stitch at home of an evening No, all sewing machine. machine. Excellent. And do you still skate?
1: Uh, someone just asked me that, actually. Um, you wear
0: skate shoes a lot. I do
1: wear skate shoes a lot. It's quite funny. My daughter is uh, in grade seven and she was bragging that I could still do an ollie, a trick on my skateboard, and she said, you can, can't you? I said, yeah, yeah. And so you are
0: show and tell at I did go night. out and,
1: no, no, <laughs> Snapchat. She took a Snapchat of me doing an ollie in the driveway, so that was great. <laughs> you
0: didn't break your leg. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Look, thank you so much. Is there anything else before we wrap up that you'd like to to mention in terms of I suppose the importance of you know architecture in Tasmania tourism going forward.
1: Um, I don't think I've covered off most of it, but maybe just where you mentioned people who think they maybe can't afford to get an architect to do the project, I think you'd probably be surprised in how Um, in what it might cost, and it might not be us, it could be anyone, um, but actually just start the conversation and say we're thinking this and get some advice before you make a decision on it and obviously we can tailor our service to match what people are doing but it's kind of also that idea of yes, it costs X amount but what does it bring to your business? So I think Devil's Corner, for example, they probably couldn't have envisaged how much it would bring to their business. So for them it's a good investment. Yes, you paid architects to do this but then it turned into something much better. So how could you... I think people could use some architectural advice to then see how they could progress their business to be more of an experience for visitors.
0: Wonderful. Well, we look forward to seeing what might be developed on the back of a a coaster at the pub for you with uh, Todd's Brewery. Yep, that's right. I'd like an invite to the opening of that one. Thank you. (laughs) But no, thank you very much for your time and we are obviously looking very much forward to seeing the uh, opening of the Cradle Mountain development over the course of the next year.
1: That right? Yes, it is. Oh, I'm actually not sure when it's coming it together well. It's, it's, though, but it's it coming together well. Yes, we're going up uh, kind of fortnightly to see the progress. So yeah,
0: wonderful. Well, thank you very thank much for you. your your time today. I'll let you uh, skate off into the sunset. <laughs> thank uh, you, Rachel. That was Todd Henderson. Thank you so much for coming on the show and having a chat about the uh, the value of good design in tourism. Um, I hope you have enjoyed today's show. Please do tell your tourism colleagues to take a listen if you have. Um, we'll be back in a fortnight with another conversation on Talking Tourism. So, yeah, thank you again for your time. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism.